0: tool, in fact, that allowed me to thrive every minute of this adventure is how I remain anchored. My ability to consistently master my energy, to anchor into the vibe that I choose to have every day through mindfulness rituals, prioritizing my energy, and holding space for myself every single day, even when it wasn't easy or convenient. That was everything. I anchored my energy and remained positive through every unexpected challenge. Welcome back to the Direct Your Vibe podcast. I'm your host and director of Vibes, Leslie Schultz, and this is part two of a very special Travel Diaries episode on the incredible experience I had sailing to the Bahamas. In the first half of this special series, I shared a massive realization of a whole new dream I have for my life, Enjoyed a full month of sailing from South Florida to Bimini and all through the Berry Islands in the Bahamas. Shared all of the adventures along the way. If you haven't made it through that podcast yet, I highly recommend tuning into that one so you can get the full scope of this incredible adventure I was able to go on. Believe it or not, there's still another whole month of fun excursions and lessons to share with you today. Oh, I'm so excited. And I really hope that you have as much fun listening in on these adventures as I do retelling them. You're definitely going to want to stick around for the last portion of today's episode because I'm wrapping things up by sharing the top five skills that I've cultivated over the last, I don't know, maybe year or two, not knowing how well they were going to support me along this entire journey. All right, let's dive back into the adventure. I left things off at the point where I had just totally fallen madly in love with the sailing vessel Fruit Bat, and I released my grip on how that dream that I totally unwrapped out of nowhere, not knowing it existed within me. This dream of living full-time on a sailboat, I let go of my grip on how I thought that needed to come together. It was time to leave the Berry Islands, and while I was a little bit sad, it was also, it's like such an exciting thing to pull your anchor up. You're always sad to leave the place you're at, but so excited for what you're about to go explore and find. So we pulled anchor in the dark once again to head to our next destination, Eleuthera is another beautiful island in the Bahamas. I distinctly remember motoring out of this area. It was like a really dark, foggy morning, and I was standing in the companionway with coffee in my hand, literally singing to myself out of pure joy for the moment that I was in. (laughs) I, uh, I was standing on top of the engine compartment, which is in the companionway, and I'm pretty sure that the hum of the motor was overpowering my little morning song I was creating, so I was probably the only one enjoying that moment so blissfully, but I wanted to share that because I want to know if you've ever had one of these moments where you're just feeling like you're exactly where you're meant to be, you're so blissed out, discovering so much about yourself, trusting your desires and big visions for life, even if they're scary because you know you're becoming a better version of yourself every day, and you trust that life's just going to guide you to make that all happen. (sighs) It was just such a beautiful moment and that sail is one of the most memorable experiences I think of this entire trip because we watched the sun come up and I had just this feeling of content, happy, vibrant energy. It's a moment I'll never forget. That passage from the Berry Islands to Eleuthera took about maybe nine or ten hours and we were once again met with the choice to surrender and go with the flow or resist the changes that needed to happen. If you're noticing a trend in these stories, and you've listened to the last episode on this this little series here, that's because there's a huge trend. Finding the right anchorage means listening to Mother Nature. She is a free-range pony. You can't tie her down. You can't tell her what to do. She's going to do whatever the fuck she wants. That's just a fact. It's science. <laughs> so our first anchorage option near an area called Egg Island was a no-go. The area was pretty well protected from the winds, but the swells were way too big for comfortable night's sleep, and I later learned that Egg Island, where we had initially wanted to anchor, is most famous for its large swells that break over a coral head just below the waterline. In fact, many locals and cruisers often come to this place to surf the wave. It was super rad. There was an incredible like 100-foot sailboat park there. All really cool stuff to see, but not so great for anchoring comfortably. Coming up on these unexpected circumstances offer an opportunity to surrender your grip to the outcome of a situation. This happens in life, but it so often happens in sailing. We can either choose to be frustrated and bitter that our plan didn't work out the way we anticipated, or simply trust that there's a better option available to us, something that maybe we wouldn't have seen had we not had this reroute. This is one of many times along this adventure that I felt such a deep appreciation for my boyfriend because we both share that flexible, optimistic outlook on life. We always choose to see a redirection as a fun opportunity, a chance to trust that every situation that unfolds is happening for us, And uh, I just, I have to brag on this man's unwavering positivity because it keeps me lit the fuck up when situations feel challenging. His strength and resilience has inspired me so much and I'm over the moon grateful that I have such a wonderful partner like this in my life. So it turns out that happy little egg island accident, (laughs) as I like to call it, landed us at a beautiful spot called Meek's Patch for a couple of nights. This place was gorgeous beyond belief with another amazing white sand beach. When we ventured ashore for some beach time, we decided to take a little spontaneous stroll through the palm trees and check out the other side of the island, which I was warned was known as Pig Beach. That's right, wild pigs on the beach. Now, up until this point, the only images I had ever seen of swimming with the pigs in the Bahamas, which is like kind of a popular touristy attraction, only thing i'd seen were girls in bikinis running from large pigs who wanted to literally bite them in the butt <laughs> so i'd wandered to this beach in my bikini and the entire walk over there my heart was racing my anxiety was rising up as each step went on oh my god i was freaking out i kept expecting a pig to like dart out from the bushes and attack me or something and i had no idea what was going to happen thankfully nothing like that took place no butts were bit <laughs> And along the way, it was actually pretty cool. We're strolling through the palm trees, and we end up running into, like, a little construction zone. My man is a framer and a construction, like, extraordinaire, you know, handyman galore. And so, of course, he's curious what's going on, and we end up meeting the owner of the island. Yeah, that's right, you can just own an island. How crazy is that? But... Anyways, he was building a bathroom to hopefully get approval for a liquor license so that he could entice visitors of Pig Beach to stay a while longer, which was cool, it was nice chatting with him. and uh, After that we wandered over to Pig Beach, where I was surprised to see about a dozen pigs, a chicken, a whole bunch of other random animals, they were all sleeping peacefully on the beach, which made me so happy, my anxiety calmed immediately. A few of them did wake up, they walked towards us, they didn't seem to be nearly as aggressive as I had expected, but I still kept a good distance between me and those piggies, just to be safe. (laughs) There were so many opportunities along this adventure for me to feel fear and anxiety, like something as simple as pigs on the beach. (laughs) And then be able to witness it without judging it, and move through it so that I could discover that the situation was not nearly as bad as I imagined it to be. When it comes to anxiety, we tend to worry about the outcome before it even happens, or during the actual situation, or even we replay that situation over and over in our minds afterwards, trying to figure out how we could have done it better. I'm a beforehand type of warrior, (laughs) which means I tend to dampen my real feelings with fake scenarios that I've created in my mind. And 90% of the time, shit works out far better than I imagined. So, I'm really working on, and I did such a great job, I just want to celebrate myself, how much I continued to push myself past the edge of my anxiety. Past that edge of where my anxiety wants me to believe that's it. This is as far as you can go. Because it's not true. So anyways, faced my fear, saw the piggies, no butts were bit, and then we walked back to the beach on our side of the island where we are anchored. And guess what? I beat everybody in a rousing game of bocce ball with my boosted confidence because I saw the anxiety, I saw the fear, didn't judge it, moved through it, boom, confidence. So after a few days in this beautiful slice of paradise, we moved on to do some yachting in Spanish Wells. (laughs) So anytime we're not anchored at sea and choose to tie up to a dock at a marina, I consider it to be yachting because it's, it's fancy. And it's especially true with the marina that we were at because Spanish Wells Yacht Haven, Is luxurious as fuck. It's got a private swimming pool, super nice showers, flush toilets, and our new favorite bar and bartender all within walking distance. Shout out to Shay if you're listening. Girl, I miss you. We stayed here for about a week to wait out a northerly blow that was gonna have about 30 to 35 miles per hour of wind, and so we decided to tie up somewhere safe and let that storm roll through and we thoroughly enjoyed our time in this little town. On one of the first days of exploration we walked to the Spanish Wells Museum and received a private tour in. history lesson on the area, which was so freaking cool. This lady that helped us out and gave us this tour and this lesson was so excited to share about her town, and it's so fun to learn about the the history of places when you go there and understand their culture. I got to learn about how the first settlers of the area near Spanish Wells and in Eleuthera actually came over, I think, in the early 1900s from Bermuda, To escape religious persecution, and when their ship neared the northern part of the island, it was shipwrecked in what is now known as the Devil's Backbone. Everything they brought with them to survive was completely ruined or sunk, and they spent a long-ass time seeking refuge in Preacher's Cavern before wandering over to Spanish Wells and creating a settlement. We ended up later on in the week taking a dinghy ride through the Devil's Backbone and witnessed firsthand how crazy that area is. It is wild. There are endless coral heads that pop up out of fucking nowhere. We'd be just zooming along in the water, It's like at least 10 feet deep, and out of nowhere, a giant coral head pops up just below the surface, forcing us to have to pop up the motor, which only drafts, I think, like a foot and a half. So we'd have to pull the motor up out of the water so we didn't ruin the prop and get stranded, just like the original settlers. It was quite an adventure. Uh, But flashback to the museum tour, we also learned something really cool about these independent souls who remained a sovereign nation with zero government or real laws, on the island of Eleuthera until the 1960s or 70s. Like, that's so recent. It wasn't until they discovered how to refrigerate and sell their crawfish that they would catch, and also they experienced a couple gnarly hurricanes, so they started to realize through those things that they may benefit from some hurricane regulations in their construction, and maybe some standardized taxing, and all those things. But talk about free-range ponies. That was wild to learn. And now, Spanish Wells is the single largest seller of crawfish, also known as lobsters, I think in the entire world. So freaking cool. It was really awesome to just get that deep into their history and their culture. We really enjoyed all of the luxuries of land life while docked in Spanish Wells, including a fancy date night out with my man at one of the most delicious restaurants called Shipyard some really great bar vibes at the local spot known as Buddhas, and of course I had my workout vibes going on in the mornings at the beach or next to the pool, which was just like amazing. And one of the highlights for me personally was on our last day there, like literally before we untie our lines from the dock my man and i walked down to this gift shop called the islander and we were on a mission to buy ourselves some cheeseball tourist shirts that we referred to as our good mood shirts the polyester hawaiian vibe shirt that you can see me wearing in the cover of this episode's artwork (laughs) yep we rocked those every single day for about two weeks straight and it was fucking glorious When we'd had enough yachting, we made our way south along the island of Luthera in a rainstorm, which was kind of fun, honestly, and we anchored along the northwest beach near an area called Current Cut. This spot was gorgeous. Like, I know I say that about every spot, but there was turquoise water as far as the eye could see, and it was the calmest seas that we've had, like just flat waters. It was unreal. We spent a lot of time lounging on a raft and embraced my desire to slow down after so much time exploring on land. Our boatmates were eager to adventure on the dinghy every single day and my man and I were just feeling super non-committal to any plans and like really owning that, which felt good because sometimes all you wanna do is lounge on a floaty and do absolutely nothing. (laughs) And There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to adventure every day just because you're on vacation. As I mentioned in part one of this travel diary series, I'm no longer about the work hard, play harder vibe that ultimately just leads to burnout and exhaustion. I am so much more about tuning into my needs in the moment and honoring them with every fiber of my being. My body said relax, my body said just chill. So that's exactly what I did and it felt amazing. We did leave the boat once during our marathon of nothingness to take a sunset dinghy ride. We checked out the cut close by that was known for its ripping current that goes up to about 10 miles per hour, hence its name, Current Cut. And that was pretty fun to cruise through on the dinghy. We also found some old piers that had been damaged from past hurricanes. And Adventurous Steven, as he is, climbed around all over them as I watched from down below. (laughs) I wanted to join, but there was this sketchy ladder that we had to climb up, and it just freaked me out too much. So instead, I threw my GoPro up to him. He did a little tour for me, which actually reminds me that I have still yet to watch that footage, so I should do that. Anyways, watching the sunset on the water that evening was so romantic and so peaceful and exactly what we needed after all that time relaxing. (laughs) After a few glorious days of doing nothing, we ventured to land to see what the town had in store from this anchorage. It was only about a five-minute walk into a cute little town with a small variety store, a post office, a library, and that's about it. <laughs> Beyond a couple dozen homes and an old fairy dock. Oh, and we did see a statue that claimed to be the goddess of blessed wishes, which I thought was pretty cool. Stephen and I decided to wait for the variety store to open up. We don't get to very many stores often on this adventure, so we wanted to see what snacks we could bring back to the boat, and oh my goodness, this turned out to be quite a hilarious story and just like some insight into island drama. We sat on a bench in front of the store in no rush at all, just patiently waiting, there was a sign on the door that said they'd reopen in about 30 minutes. So we just sat there and took in the characters of the town, and oh my, were there characters, including our favorite, who we've decided will be named Chad. Chad drove up in a Dodge Charger, which was already out of place for the island, and it had the words PURE ENERGY in all caps stickered across the top of the windshield. So he drove past us with a little head nod, some loud bass music. We're already laughing and giggling about it, and then he proceeds to do a burnout around the corner next to the store we're posted up by, and we laughed so hard at this silly encounter and immediately made a joke that if we smoked weed, that would be the guy to get it from, for sure. No questions asked. Chad's got the goods. (laughs) Another 45 minutes go by and we're about to give up on the store when we hear our buddy Chad revving his engine. He's coming back around the corner and we're excited just for another glimpse at this character. Unexpectedly, he stops right in front of the store. When he stumbles out of the car with a glass of whiskey like filled to the rim with fresh ice in it, (laughs) he starts to apologize to us for keeping us waiting. And then rants about how he's going through a divorce with the store owner and unlocks the front door for us to get supplies. As Soon as we enter the store, he lets us know that it's a one-stop shop, confirming our suspicion about being able to buy weed from him. If this were about three years ago, I would have 100% taken him up on that offer. But instead, we we rushed to pick out some supplies, of course, a couple of beers and ice cream sandwiches for the walk back to the boat. That had to be the most hilarious and unexpected trip I've ever had to the store. (laughs) He was such a character. Another major highlight of our time at this anchorage was meeting fellow cruisers Andy and Leslie from Samuel Fiveland. This fellow Leslie and her husband built their steel catch by hand, which took them about 35 years, and they've been sailing nonstop for the past five or six years. They're incredible humans. They were so much fun to me. I'm so grateful, and thankfully, this was not going to be our last time running into them on this adventure. I want to say that we stayed at this anchorage for about four or five days, and as much as I was enjoying it, we all were. It was time to move on. My man's birthday was coming up and I was eager to get us settled into the next location so that I could spoil him with an amazing day of celebrations. Our next stop was a glorious and very surprising place called Hatchet Bay. The entrance to this bay was wild. There's like massive limestone cliffs super tall on either side of an opening that was maybe like two boat lengths wide was pretty narrow and thankfully we had calm seas and an easy entrance dropped anchor relatively easily. This turned out to be one of my favorite little towns that we explored mostly because of the incredibly friendly and hilarious people that we met on shore and that's what traveling's all about right? But before we could get to shore however (laughs) we had to figure out where to park the dinghy The two dinghy dock options seemed to be pretty sketchy and way too tall during low tide, and so after a while of motoring around, we ended up tying the dinghy off up on a derelict sailboat that (laughs) appeared to be, like, left to just sink and rot. The mast was taken down, there was nothing on top of the boat at all, and there were quite a few holes on the top side of the boat, And a decent amount of water inside, but it served us really well as a midpoint between the dinghy and the dock that had like the largest crustaceans I've ever seen on a dock. So we ended up using this method quite a few times over the next few days. It was hilariously sketchy, but super effective. So what do you do? We spent a couple of evenings drinking with the locals of Allistown in a dive bar known as Despot, And we got to know some really incredible people, including John, who's Basically the old town drunk who is apparently unbeatable in dominoes, until we arrived. He only beat us once while we tried to figure out exactly how he was playing, and then I won two games, Steven won one as well, and we had such a blast. It was amazing. When it was time to celebrate Steven's birthday, I made the day super special. And mostly because he's not really big on birthdays. like It makes me want to make sure we celebrate the heck out of him. Because A, he's an amazing human that I'm super grateful for every single day. And B, he worked so freaking hard on this boat constantly while we were living aboard it for a few months, and and he deserved a celebration in his honor. So I woke him up with a beer and some surprise sticky note decor in our room, then we went fishing all day long, and oh my god, he had the best birthday luck catching like five or six fish in just a few hours. It's the most fish we caught on any fishing excursion. Unfortunately, they were all too small to eat or the wrong kinds or barracudas or whatever, but it was still so much fun. And the other Steve snagged a crab that Almost took my Steve's toes off. <laughs> not even kidding. As he was sitting in the dinghy, the crab was in a giant bucket. And Stephen was chatting away with some fellow cruisers. And <laughs> the crab clawed his way out of the bucket before Stephen realized what had happened. And then this crab just like crawling around on the floor of the dinghy. <laughs> Thankfully, no toes were lost in the rescue. And the dinghy did not get popped by <laughs> any crab claws I was able to surprise him with a super romantic dinner for two at the fanciest restaurant in Allistown. It was a quaint little restaurant called The Front Porch, which was exactly as it sounds. A few small tables set up on the porch with an amazing chef overlooking the bay that we were anchored in. It was really a lot of fun. I think the best part of that day was witnessing Stephen get serenaded over and over again. Our fellow cruiser friends, Andy and Leslie from Samuel Fiveland, the ones that I just mentioned from Current Cut, they happened to be anchored right next to us again, and when they found out it was Steven's birthday, they cruised over with a guitar and sang The Beatles, "We heard it's your birthday, happy birthday to you." <laughs> Among many other jams. It was, oh my god, it was amazing. And then when we got to shore, yes, from the derelict sailboat, and then to the dock. We stopped at The Spot for a pre-dinner drink and bo- Both John, our good domino friend, and an incredibly talented local named Alexander serenaded him in the most beautiful version of Happy Birthday I've ever heard of. This man, Alexander, must have been a famous opera or blues singer in the past because it was out of this world spectacular. Like, my jaw was on the ground, had to lift it back up. (laughs) It was so much fun continuing our tradition, which is now two years in a row, of celebrating Stephen in a brand new tropical place and I hope we keep that going for many years to come. My other favorite adventure that I've got to talk about while we were anchored in Hatchet Bay was exploring the Hatchet Bay caves and snorkeling in Sweetings Pond, which is a freaking seahorse national park. Ah, as if that could be any more amazing, we were greeted and given a private tour of these spots by three of the sweetest little island puppies I've ever seen. Adventure and puppies, like that's like my love language on steroids. <laughs> so, once again, another slice of paradise that was really hard to leave, but the adventure had to go on. We had more places to explore and even more life lessons to uncover. Our next sail was breathtaking as we cruised through another calm turquoise waters. Oh my god, we're heading for this place called James Cistern to anchor for another night. We caught a fish on the way there, dropped anchor, and made fish tacos for brunch. It was awesome. But then our boatmates went to shore with the dogs and unfortunately discovered the beach was just covered in glass. We'd never seen anything like this, and there was no viable options for us to get to shore safely and definitely not good for the dogs. So once again, we had to practice releasing our attachment to the outcome, to the location, to our plan, and adapt so that we could move along to a better spot. That day, we were like Goldilocks and the Three Anchorages (laughs) because our next spot a few miles south in Alabaster Bay was quite rock and rolly and a little too much so for us to be able to be comfortable. And in the first part of this Travel Diary series, I shared how incredibly supportive and amazing the cruiser community is. This right here, this story is a prime example of that because as we loitered around and tried to decide what we were going to do for the night, we got a call on the radio. Salty Emerald, Salty Emerald, do you have a copy? It was a neighboring catamaran. I believe their name was Irie Cat, and they recognized us from a previous anchorage, called us on the radio to let us know that the spot they were in, not too far off from where we were, was calm and glorious, but there may be something dead on the beach which sort of smelled when they went to shore. We loved the insight and, of course, the heads up about the possibly stinky shoreline and decided to drop anchor close by them. I freaking love the way fellow cruisers look out for one another like that. It's a community that is so centered in abundance. There's more than enough to go around. There's not this lack mentality that we so often experience in our normal day to day life where it would feel like this is my anchorage and you can't have it. (laughs) I freaking love it. They are my kind of people. So while we were anchored in Alabaster Bay, we couldn't help but notice how close we were to the airport. Planes were literally taking off 50 yards from the shoreline. Stephen and I actually got a closer look at it when we went to shore on one of the days to try to do some handline fishing. I'd had great success with handlining during our time in Nicaragua, and we had some live bait, so I wanted to give it a shot. Unfortunately, all we caught that day <laughs> was a lot of memories and a few dozen bites from the noceums in the afternoon, but we had a great time. really loved our time there in Alabaster Bay. The other Steve caught a few barracudas and a freaking shark. Like, what? We had a great time handlining and exploring, and I finished up a really great book about a couple who sailed around the world for eight years, which was inspiring as fuck. But another storm with super strong winds and swells up to three meters was coming in hot, so we had to move to a more protected anchorage to hunker down for about a week or so. And once we saw this... Incoming storm, we debated on going back to Spanish Wells and doing some yachting where we waited out that last storm But thankfully decided on a new spot that came highly recommended by lots of fellow cruisers Rock sound our week in rock sound was glorious Surprising and incredibly challenging for many reasons We were anchored just outside of a boaters haven The Wild Orchids, which served up delicious food, had the most amazing staff and offered boaters free Wi-Fi, free water, and a place to throw out trash, which is all so huge. We became regulars there within the first couple of days and became really close with all of the staff. Honestly, it's one of my favorite places that I really cannot wait to return to. Steven and I spent a lot of long days on land exploring all the town had to offer, checking out the local spots and getting to know the area. We discovered an ocean hole that is over 600 feet deep, right in the middle of a neighborhood. And it was filled with these beautiful tropical fishies. The first time we went there, it was a little bit overcast, which made the dark water look pretty spooky. I mean, it's 600 feet deep and we're used to like being able to see the bottom of 40 feet deep water at the most. So I will admit, I chickened out on jumping in, even though locals believe the water is said to have like healing powers. It's supposed to be super magical. And over the next couple days, I started to regret that decision, but pause on the ocean hole. We will come back to that. Instead of jumping in, we ventured over to a local bar called Vita's, where we met some incredibly welcoming locals who Honestly, I hope I remember them forever because they made such an impact on our trip. As we sat down out front of this local bar watching the world go by, it's like right in the middle of a neighborhood, totally not touristy, super local. A car comes speeding up, parks right in front of us, like almost runs our toes over. (laughs) And it was Devin, who we came to find out later, was the son of the owner of Vitas. And he welcomed us to Rock Sound and insisted on buying us a beer. He literally just goes inside, probably just grabs two beers from his mom's bar, hands them to us, and then goes to leave. And we were so surprised, like, why did not you grab yourself a beer and sit down to chat? He shared that he doesn't drink, and he only wants to make sure that we enjoy ourselves so that we come back. It was so amazing, and that was... The general vibe from every local in the Bahamas. They've all been hurt so bad from multiple hurricanes and then a year of shutdown from COVID, so they are thrilled to see visitors coming on shore and supporting their economy. And we are just as thrilled to be there and so grateful for all of the welcoming vibes and hospitality that we got while we were there. While we sat at Fita's enjoying our gifted beers, a few more locals come over to greet us. One of those locals was named Richard. He's in his 60s, doesn't look a day over 35. He's a massive fan of basketball, most notably the Golden State Warriors. So he was over the moon thrilled to meet a couple of Californians and went on to teach us about the tradition of Junkanoo, told us about some musty spots in rock sound, and even invited us over to see his massive garden. Up until this point, we'd been told the Bahamas had terrible soil and that it was totally impossible to grow anything. Total bullshit. This man had a garden filled with kale, pumpkins, corn, tomatoes, everything you could possibly need. It was incredible. We were really enjoying our time in Rock Sound. It surprised me in a lot of ways. And the most surprising thing that happened, however, was also, well, really challenging. I've been trying to find the right words to share this part of the story for weeks, really since the day it happened, and I pride myself on being open, vulnerable, and completely honest, especially here on the podcast with you. And yet, I'm proceeding here with some caution because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. So let me start by sharing a deep awareness that I've gained within myself over the last few years. I've learned how to tune inward and feel into my body whether something is a hell yes or a no for me. I can feel the signals, call it intuition, whatever you want, but I understand what they mean and I understand how to feel into it. That goes for when I want to say yes to amazing opportunities like sailing to the Bahamas or when my instincts are trying to tell me that something has run its course. For example, have you ever been in a job, in a relationship, or holding on to an old belief that you know isn't serving you anymore? You know it doesn't feel right. Have you ever felt that internal message, that that intuition, trying to tell you something, but you ignored it, hoping it would go away because maybe it's difficult to end, or it's uncomfortable, or it scares you. And then later, You discover that it's only getting louder and louder and louder and louder until you just can't take it anymore. And there's something really powerful about trusting your desires, whether it's a hell yes to jump into something new or a message telling you that whatever situation, relationship, job, whatever, that it's run its course and it's time to end it and move on. There hit a point along our sailing adventures where it just felt like our time on board the Salty Emerald had come to an end. The first time I felt that message... Be honest, I ignored it. I wanted the adventure to go on longer. I didn't want to deal with the conflict that might arise from wanting to leave early, and a big part of me wasn't ready for it to be over yet. That message got louder while we were in rock sound, and it became something I knew I couldn't ignore. We were initially supposed to sail back to the States with our boatmates, but instead, we decided to listen to our instincts. We made the difficult choice to step off the boat and find our own way home. We'd seen all those airplanes taking off a few days before in Alabaster Bay, so we knew that we had other options and decided to listen to what our intuition was saying and take those options. This was a really tough decision and an even more difficult conversation to have. It reminded me so much of past jobs that I'd left that no longer felt like the right fit or relationships that I'd ended. Those conversations are always so difficult, and in the past, I'll be honest, I've handled situations like this poorly. But this time, I chose to first listen to my instincts, to my intuition, to this, this guiding message inside. And I chose to move forward with gratitude, honesty, and compassion, which made a really difficult ending feel much more peaceful than I feared it would be. We have massive love and gratitude for our fellow boatmates and I hope that if they listen to this or if any one of our mutual friends hears this, they know that spending two and a half months on a boat with anyone is going to be challenging. And I'm not sharing this to bring any sort of negativity to the experience or the situation. There is nothing but love. It was simply time to move on. After we chose to step off the boat, one of the first things we did was go back to the ocean hole. It felt really fitting, and and as I mentioned, I had been kind of regretting not jumping in. It was a beautiful sunny day, and it felt really fitting to jump into a body of water that is known for cleansing. To sort of mark the end of one adventure and the beginning of a new one. We hired our new friend Richard to drive us to an Airbnb shortly after our quick dive in the ocean hole, and we went to a town called Governor's Harbor. We chose to have a few days on land adventuring before making our way home on the plane. Our honest and truly aligned decision was rewarded with an incredible loft, a date night that included walking a few miles through palm tree heaven to enjoy one of the best dinners that we've had in months right on the beach. We got to enjoy southern hospitality from our Airbnb neighbors, and the cherry on top of an incredible voyage was flying home over the exact route that we had sailed in on. We got to point out every anchorage from above and feel into the gratitude we had for the last few months of exploration and adventure. It's no coincidence that this trip of a lifetime arrived in my world when it did. It showed up exactly as I was prepared for it, without me knowing just how equipped I was to handle it. Turns out, all the inner work I had been focused on sharing with you here on the podcast and working through each day in my rituals set me up to thrive even throughout the most challenging moments that arose. I could create an entire separate podcast episode on the things that prepared me for living two and a half months at sea, but instead, I'm going to recap the top five for you here briefly. First and foremost... Mastering the art of slowing down was everything for this voyage. I'm so grateful for all the opportunities I had to allow myself to rest instead of hustle, to choose to be calm instead of feel frantic, to let go of that work hard, play harder vibe. and ah, it just That felt so good and showed me how much I'd actually embodied these lessons from the last few years of work. It's no surprise that we had all sorts of opportunities to surrender and release attachment to the outcome, to let go of the way that we think things need to go and really tap into a deep sense of inner trust. A few years ago, I wouldn't have handled any of these opportunities with such grace, ease and flow. One thing that I am most grateful for along this journey was being on it with my best friend, the love of my life. I credit that to the inner work that I started years ago, years before Steven and I started dating. I wouldn't have attracted or become an energetic match for or been able to build such a strong relationship with such a wonderful partner in this life without focusing on my internal world first. I can't tell you how grateful I am now to have such a strong, positive, resilient, supporting, and loving man to adventure through life with. Okay, before I start crying let's move on to number four, which is confidence. This is a skill I've been building up for the last few years, and my newfound ability to move through situations that freak me out, that bring up fears or anxiety, and do it anyway, do the thing anyway. Without the inner trust and confidence I've built up, there's no way No freaking way! I would have adventured deep into dark caves, snorkeled in amazing places, or overcome seasickness to truly enjoy the fuck out of this trip. And last but not least, the most powerful tool, in fact, that allowed me to thrive every minute of this adventure is how I remain anchored. My ability to consistently master my energy To anchor into the vibe that I choose to have every day through mindfulness rituals, prioritizing my energy, and holding space for myself every single day, even when it wasn't easy or convenient. That was everything. I anchored my energy and remained positive through every unexpected challenge. This one is a really big fucking deal because old Leslie would have struggled a lot during this time at sea. Without anchored energy and a deep trust in myself, I would have let small conflicts aboard the boat turn into much bigger, blown out situations that may have ended the trip much sooner than we did. Without anchored energy and a deep trust in myself, I would have felt lazy or weak unless I filled every moment of the day with activities, totally burning myself out and not really being present for each moment of this adventure. Without anchored energy and a deep trust in myself, I would have lived in a constant state of anxiety from all the uncertainty. I would have freaked out every time our plans changed and definitely would not have been as calm and flexible throughout each of those experiences. And finally, without anchored energy and a deep trust in myself, I would not have gone on this trip. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have known how to feel into my body saying hell yes to this opportunity because the anxiety fear, and overwhelm of the unknown would have been louder and they would have won the battle. All of this is huge. It feels massively important and light years away from the person I once was, which is why it's become the inspiration for my next virtual course. I will be releasing Anchored a virtual course on energetic accountability, very soon. And I want to give my listeners here the first opportunity to sign up. Visit the link in the show notes or DM me on Insta at Allison 33 to get on the waitlist to apply as soon as doors open very soon. And if you're still here listening with me, you are my freaking people, and I am beyond grateful for you. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I would love it if you would share a screenshot of this episode on Insta and tag me at leslieallison33 and direct your vibe podcast so I can celebrate you for taking the time to prioritize your energy and direct your vibe. Keep your vibes high, keep adventuring, and we'll talk soon.